Hello and welcome to Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. My name is Victor Sosa, joined, as always, by the legend Les Thatcher. You know, I have the habit of saying a newsworthy week, but it's kind of weird because it is a newsworthy week. But I guess now it's more newsworthy for what didn't happen as opposed to what we thought was going to happen a few days ago. <laughs> See, and you took my opening line because I was going to say, wow, it's a shame nothing exciting happened this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's, uh, you can make a, if the CIA was involved or the FBI, you could make a hell of a dramatic movie out of all, <clears throat> out of all this, couldn't you? For sure. I mean, this, all this stuff with the reports earlier this week about, uh, Saudi Arabians, uh, Saudi Arabia's, I should say, group, I uh, forget the actual full name of their company, but, uh, the same company that has the LIV golf tour and has paid through the nose for some of the biggest and best to leave the PGA tour, including reportedly offering Tiger Woods somewhere in the area of 800 million to a billion dollars, which he turned down. God bless him. Cause he's Tiger Woods. He's got plenty of money, but uh, you know, these folks are serious. So I don't think they would have really batted an eye at the price we've heard bandied about, which is 8.5 billion. But obviously the story came out like it was a done deal a couple of days ago and, that was probably given a lot more credibility than you might hear otherwise when you found out this week that Stephanie McMahon resigned her position as co-CEO and left the board of directors, which, I mean, of all, if you're ever looking for the definition of a red flag, there it is right there. Something is going on, clearly. Uh, by the end of the night or the next morning, people had put uh, a lot of cold water on this story about Saudi Arabia. Now, I will be honest with you, Les, obviously I don't know anything more than what we've been hearing and reading, but I'm not necessarily sold that this thing is as far away as the people who threw cold water on the story would like you to believe that it is. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think so either. <clears throat> I think if, if they were in the mix, <clears throat> uh, if there's anybody uh, in this list of uh, cast of characters that may possibly be interested in purchasing WWE. I'd say they're the only ones with pockets so deep. You can't see the bottom. of. Well, the ones who would spend the money without batting an eye. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and then that, well, like I said to you before we started recording too, and then WWE is hiring all these outside, uh, authorities, uh, JP Morgan, uh, public investment, uh, uh, this, that, and the other, whatever these, you know, a bunch of these companies it would, what do you figure these companies are getting for being involved a million each or, or something? Well, they're certainly getting uh, a percentage, right? If, if the sale goes through. Yeah. There's money being thrown around all over the place. And I'll tell you the, the, the one speculation that I hope is wrong is the idea that, uh, the song and dance team of Shad and Tony might be interested in well, buying in. I, I want you to explain why that you think that's a terrible idea, and I'm going to give you the floor, but just for a second, can I tell you how loud I laughed at the idea of that delicious irony of the cons yes, go buying ahead. WWE? <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, we both were talking about this off the air, like the idea that Vince McMahon would work for the cons, right? You just get out of here. But at the same time, yeah. Vince has obviously proven, and we talked about it last week, that as much as this sale is worth a lot of money, he cares less about the sale, I think at least, 
than he does, or his own company, than he does running it. He just wants to be in charge. He can't sit at the house. Yes. That's the biggest thing. So I think he would actually figure out, or at least try really hard, to swallow his pride and go to work uh, in a company that was bought by the cons. And if I were the cons, I'm not sure I could resist doing to him what he did to Eric Bischoff. Wow. I, but I just can't see Finn saying, yeah, Tony, I could do that. Yeah, I, agree. I, I don't either. But it would. Uh, nor, nor do I think the cons are really serious bidders for this, despite the fact that we saw the story on CNBC. And the part of it that did make sense was that Chad Khan being worth $11.5 billion and the sale price here being $8.5 billion, he'd obviously be interested in bringing in some partners because there's no sense in taking away that much of your fortune for this company. Uh, so perhaps he wouldn't be someone who's really over Vince on a day-to-day basis, but there's no way Tony wouldn't be. So, yeah, I don't see that happening. No, and and, and my reasoning for it is uh, nothing to do with the money. It's that then WWE and all of its fingers, you know, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, et cetera, all were, were everything, all the major companies that you're seeing on network television would be basically the same. Because, well, we've already seen the battle between the sports entertainers and the professional wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, we would be right back essentially where we were uh, before AEW was formed. Yes, and not necessarily all for the good either. Yeah. Uh, Let's face it. Uh, Vince doesn't call the shots the way everyone wants them. He is uh, a dominating, domineering uh guy who's you know bigger than life uh yeah it, it's but he, he he grew up in the wrestling business that he did do he didn't grow up a fan so yeah that's that's a big difference i think and uh, no and, and when i say everything would be the same um the names are different on a lot of the the talent that's on an roh show now but the matches are put together basically the same Yes, Tony Khan has 4,000 uh, executive vice presidents. I don't know if uh, Box and, and uh, Jared have got that title yet. But anyway, um, but still, it's his company. And you see from the way it started, it, it's his fingerprints or else somebody is mocking him and doing it all his way. I don't know which. But, uh, yeah, that would I, I think that would be bad for the industry. Because at least there is a marked difference between what you see on WWE and what you see on AEW. And you have a choice of watching both or, well, I'm into this storyline or this guy over here on this company, so I don't need to watch the other one. But with this, it's almost would go back that you're going to see the same style. And I don't think that's good for the industry overall. No. Uh, Let me circle back around real quick to the whole Saudi Arabia thing. The country's public investment fund is Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. That was the uh, name of the group that I was looking for. Uh, Dave was talking about this this week on Wrestling Observer Radio and says there is something to the story in that they are legitimate players in terms of potential buyers, but way too early to be finalized. And and again, we go back to earlier this week where there was so much cold water being thrown on this thing, almost protesting too much for me, which is why I'm going the conspiracy theory route here. But follow me for a, a minute or two. It just seems to me that 
you know, we talked about this last week. Was Vince making calls without really informing everybody of what he was doing? And I don't know whether he did or he didn't, but either it seems to me that he probably did or he did it with Nick Khan's uh, awareness, but maybe nobody else's with uh, Saudi Arabia and maybe anybody else, because there's a lot of legwork that still needs to be worked out. And that could be the little latitude where they're saying it's not close to being done, because if it's the Saudis who spent all this money on the golf tour and can't get on TV in America and are doing all these other kind of things, then perhaps Vince would would rather have had that news uh, be kept on the back burner or away from the public eye for few weeks, if not a month or two, Abe, so that it doesn't look like he was actually out there soliciting before he was back on the board, but also so that he could take the temperature of his television partners and see whether or not they would still be willing to run WWE if they were owned by the Saudis. And this is just me throwing stuff against the wall here. But, you know, again, all those things were going through my mind the other day, and, and it's why I kind of wonder whether or not this thing is really as far apart as people have been saying the last couple of days since these rumors started, because there's a lot of other groundwork that would need to be done, uh, some of which I've mentioned here. But it doesn't mean that there isn't uh, an understanding between both groups. They're just not ready to move forward publicly at this point, for all we know. Yeah. They're saying that UFC is also in the hunt. Uh, yes, Endeavor. Yeah. <clears throat> And of course, then I think if that were the, the if that was the company that ended up buying, uh, you would see the uh, transition of some guys from M- uh, MMA moving into pro wrestling. Well, that could be really interesting. I mean, we've seen that already, but you know, it probably be, it would be become more common. Uh, but uh, but you know what? We we were talking last week that this kind of creates some difficulties, some problems. It just isn't going to be a run uh, smooth. And that's already started because now we have a, a lawsuit. <laughs> yes. WWE shareholder has filed yeah, yes. a lawsuit uh, in Chancery Court in Delaware. His name is Scott Fields. And uh, uh, it's the general corporate uh, corporation law. He's looking for in, uh, invalidation of the bylaw changes McMahon made after returning to the board Friday in addition to costs and fees. According to the lawsuit Tuesday night, the potential class size is thousands of WWE stockholders. Yeah. yeah. And stop and think about it. You know, Vince, let's face it. You get into, you get into a habit of shaving in a particular way every day, or I get into a habit of uh, getting the habit of dressing on a certain way at us go to a certain place. Wow, Vince is used to doing whatever the hell Vince wants to do with WWE, right? Yeah. So, hey, I'm going to come in and kick these people off the board. I'm going to put these people on the board. I'm going to take over, do this, do that. And here's a stockholder that's obviously got a few shares that he's uh, he's got a problem. And I I would guess there's going to be a line forming behind him, don't you think? Well, yeah, Well, it's specifically that invalidation of the bylaw changes because when Vince came back, he then amended the bylaws of the company to make it basically impossible to get rid of him again. And so the lawsuit accuses Vince of using his company voting control. Remember, he has less than 40% of the stock, but more than 80% of the voting power to remove the right. three board members, replace them with his hand-picked people, and the, uh, the also the aforementioned bylaw changes that give him final say on any sale or any media rights deal. And I'm like, accusing? I think that's pretty much what he did. So the basic question really now at this point with this suit is whether or not 
any or all of those things actually violated Delaware law? If so, then Vince could be in some hot water. Then, then we can add his lawsuit and millions to this <laughs> list of his $12 million that he gave to the ladies. And- right. In addition to the SEC investigation about that. And, and another thing we were talking about last week, I think, too, is the idea that or, or came to light uh, occurred to us this week that Vince is really looking for a buyer who would allow him to remain in charge uh, as much as a buyer, period. And I think it's interesting when you look at some of the other players. I mean, Endeavor, I can't imagine them saying that Vince's issues are an issue for them. Dana White slapped his wife last week, and the guy's not being disciplined by Endeavor. So, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that Vince wouldn't be able to keep his job, essentially, if Endeavor were the, the crew. Disney might be a vastly different story. And uh, apparently, as Dave talked about this week, that Nick Khan was in L.A. for the NCAA college football title game, mostly hanging out in the luxury box, I guess, talking to the CEO of Disney. And I think it's worth mentioning in case uh, there's anyone listening to the show today who's not familiar with what's happening at Disney and just the entertainment circles in general. Bob Iger, who had been the CEO of Disney forever and a day and retired a couple of years ago, is back as the temporary CEO at Disney because the guy who came after him, you know, Les, you never want to be the guy who follows a legend, right? So this guy, no, you don't. <laughs> this guy comes in the door, he's get, then he immediately gets the pandemic and he gets sideways with Florida Governor DeSantis and everybody's unhappy and he found himself being shown the door a couple of months back. So Disney begged Bob to come back and take over on a, an extended interim basis, basically. Uh, they asked him to come back and promised him that they would have a CEO within two years. But basically, since he's been the CEO forever, it's not like he's just caretaking. He's going to run this like he's going to be here, even though he's hoping not to be. But there's the thing with Disney as a potential buyer. I mean, if Bob Iger is going to move forward like he is, like he always has, and why wouldn't he? Let's say he makes this deal. Someone else is going to be sitting in his chair in less than two years, presumably. And what if that person doesn't want this thing? Why? Maybe they'd be unhappy about inheriting it. Who knows how they would treat it? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something we went into detail about too, is <clears throat> when these, uh, uh, entertainment, entertainment conglomerates change heads, uh, of, of their departments and stuff. Sometimes the politics in those departments change as well. Yeah. And sometimes drastically, well, there, there basically is what happened with when it started with George Championship Wrestling going to uh, turning into WCW, which ended up being sold to this and on and on, and and then finally the Turner Broadcasting uh, conglomerate was sold, et cetera, et cetera, and then all of a sudden people being asked to run WCW, who didn't even want to be there, who looked down their nose at professional wrestling, and of course uh, by just kind of letting the inmates run the asylum, the, the product suffered, and then eventually Vince bought it for virtually pennies on a dollar. But, yes, whoever's running these uh, networks is is the important person you need to uh, stroke and keep on the good side of. That's for damn sure. And with those, like, as you say, uh, he, could, he could buy in today, and when he steps down, uh, somebody that's taken his place could say, well, let's wrap this up. I'm not big on this and the numbers, and I've got some ideas. And, uh, so yeah, 
it, it can be a precarious situation for the wrestling promotion, whoever that happens to be. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Georgia Championship Wrestling and the transition from there to Crockett to WCW because, you know, if you look into the history of this, and I don't have to tell you that, but for the benefit of some of our younger listeners, the fact is once Turner bought the company, basically right up until the time they merged with uh, – AOL, Time Warner, the whole thing there at the 2000-2001 uh, period, all the people that Ted Turner employed, like none of them aside from Eric Bischoff wanted WCW there. The only reason the right. entire time WCW survived was because there was one person who wanted wrestling, and fortunately for them, it was the owner, Ted Turner. And Turner actually yep. thought he was going to maintain some level of control or autonomy in this merger. And somehow the great Ted Turner got outmaneuvered in this merger, found himself with a desk and a check and no position of power, which is how WCW eventually got axed anyway, because the TV guys finally got what they wanted once Turner was no longer in charge. Yeah. You know, we're talking about some of the younger people that don't understand it. We, I can go back even further than that uh, to solidify why Turner was so high on professional wrestling because that saved, uh, his product channel 17. When he bought it, uh, the Atlanta station, uh, the strongest uh, thing on there was wrestling. And, uh, he, you know, uh, it saved his bacon basically. <clears throat> and, you know, and then of course he built it, but realize Turner, uh, he had his down times too. I remember, I think it was channel 36 in Charlotte. Uh, he came on that he, that was his UHF station in Charlotte. And, uh, he came on that station asking for donations to help keep that, uh, that alive. So there'd be more channels to pick from and guaranteed those who donated, if you donated $10, I will pay you 10 and interest back, hmm. uh, you know, and from all indications, the best I know, he did that too which is an amazing thing when you get right down to it. But yes, so uh, professional wrestling was a huge part of Ted Turner's success in the television business. And so, yes, he, uh, you know, admired the, uh, the industry and, and uh, uh, you know, he would have, had he still had that, that kind of stroke, uh, they might have survived. But then uh, having been a part of that company too for a period of time, I realized uh, the crazy thing that drove me nuts was uh, the wrestling people who had brought me on board. Uh, I could, I had to talk to non-wrestling people to get answers to questions, and the answers sometimes had me scratching my head too. So, uh, yeah, so it, it ended up uh, obviously the the, the product uh, suffered. Uh, it made it. Uh, available to Vince, like I said, pennies on the dollar. And so that that's why the merger. And that's the exact same reason I wouldn't want to see, because back then there's a good example too. I think of what I said earlier, uh, on Mon the Monday night wars, you had two distinct different products. You could like them both, or you could gravitate to one or the other. If the con family owns everything, you won't have that possibility so unless you you know get to a pay channel with with uh impact and that uh nwa actually gets their act together and, and gives you something more than they're giving you right now so yeah 
So that would that that I think also uh, makes it more uh, believe you know people could see why I'm not interested in seeing one owner for every pro uh, major pro wrestling company in the in the, the country. For sure. And again, in looking at the list of potential suitors here, uh, we just outlined why Disney might be a problem in terms of whether or not the next CEO would want to keep WWE or would just be looking for ways to diminish it because it's not his thing. And also, since it's Disney, obviously, whether or not they'd be interested in keeping Vince on just from a publicity standpoint. The Saudis and Endeavor wouldn't seem to have an issue with that. Comcast would probably like to keep Vince, when I say Comcast, I mean NBC Universal, uh, because basically, go back to the roots of the USA Network, they've had a 40-year relationship with the man. But again, right. when you're talking about a company that big, if people decide to stir up enough stuff, would they be willing to withstand the heat they could potentially get for everything Vince has been in trouble for recently enough to keep him on? Yeah, it's it's like, do you want to take this? It's, it's, it's like asking you to adopt my Aaron child, right? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes Vic, he's nice and, and you know, other times he's a raving idiot, but yeah, no, you're, you're right. That's, and of course, and if it's Vince, part of this, this sale deal includes Vince being left in a position of some sort of, some semblance of power. That's going to narrow the field down too, I think, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, if everyone is informed up front that Vince remaining in charge is a condition of the sale, that could potentially thin the field. I mean, we talked about the potential issues NBC Universal might have with that, even if they wanted to keep him. And you think about what it would right. be for Disney from a PR perspective. And I would have to think Disney would prefer to go running from that if they were given an option. So maybe it does actually shrink the field. And if you shrink the field, then maybe you actually also inadvertently lower the price. I don't know. Or maybe you spark a bidding yeah. war between two people who realize that we're getting down to the nitty gritty. could go either way on that. And then, of course, uh, this one lawsuit we've got from a stockholder, if, if a number of stockholders start popping their lawsuits in there, that's going to create a problem for the a purchaser as well in, in terms of the value. And does he want to, does he or she or its company, their company want to take on that kind of uh, mess? Yeah. And so I think, I, I think, you know, as much as Vince is at times seems to be a bull in a china shop and at times he is, uh, this would be one of the times he should walk very softly and carry no stick at all, really. <laughs> and uh, try to be a good politician. I think now, it's been a while, but you know Vince McMahon well enough to know that if you tell him this is the time to walk softly, he's going to purposely put on his timbal and boots. <laughs> That's very possible. Stomp too, as hard right. as he can. Well, you know, he's going to tell you, uh, look at my resume. Look at my legacy. Look at my, my body of work. Uh, you can't fault him for that, uh, you know, overall. I mean, you can, you can shoot holes in it and you can find thing. Well, I'm not crazy about this or crazy, but, but overall you, you know, you got to give the man his due. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, as it plays out, it could, um, make some of the storylines on the actual wrestling shows look 
pale by comparison. Uh, it already has for me. I got my popcorn all about this sales stuff. But <laughs> one of the other factors of Vince returning that we talked a little bit about last week, and I would like to talk a little bit more about today in just a minute, is the effect that it may have both uh, on the talent in the WWE locker room and those perhaps considering heading into the WWE locker room. Before we get into that, that's my way of saying we're going to be talking about AEW and some potential free agents who are on sabbatical as we speak. Uh, I would like for you to go ahead and let everybody know where they can get themselves some great DVDs and some T-shirts. And then we'll talk about one of the best tag teams in the business really trying to figure out what their future is. Yes, sir. All right. Well, sure. Yeah. It would start with t-shirts. If you'd like a copy of a Briscoe, I can't Briscoe or sure list, a Briscoe booster t-shirt. Uh, it was the first ever pro wrestling t-shirt on the market, put out in 1972 by Jack, Jerry and myself, artwork by Jerry, the King Waller. And you can of course get that at pro wrestling tees. I'm not sure if that sale they had is still on, but uh, either way, uh, they have a great selection, and of course, the, the Briscoe Booster tee is there, and if you happen to be a Les Thatcher guy, you can get a copy of that t-shirt as well. Uh, talking about DVDs, Wrestling for the Heartland, The Lost Developmental Tapes, Volumes 1 and 2, over six hours of content each. Both are two DVD sets, matches, interviews, and extras, uh, voiceover by myself and Joe Dombrowski. Joe does more of the play-by-play, and I cover more of the behind-the-scenes and the human interest part of about the talent, the shows, and the history of HWA. And by the way, uh, Joe uh, let me know this week, too, that he has pretty much put together volume three of uh, Wrestling from the Heartland, oh. which we haven't done the voiceovers yet. But, yeah, so he's hoping to have – he said he was hoping to have that out too, in 2021. Obviously, it didn't make it. <laughs> so, But he's saying maybe by summer of 23. So I'm, I'm hoping so. Anyway. Uh, you can get uh, volumes one or two uh, at joe-drombrowski.com or prowrestlinglibrary.com. And, of course, then the Brian Pillman Show's Anthology, the 20th Anniversary. It is a four-DVD set, over 15 hours of content. All four of those great shows from 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Matches, interviews, auction footage, awards, and so many extras. And uh, for those who, uh, again, for the younger members, uh, these shows are the only place you could see WCW, WWF, and ECW stars all under the same roof on the same night. The only place in the world during those years of 98 through 2001. So, and, and there's a lot of uh, great stuff on these besides just the wrestling itself. But you can get that, those at PillmanShows.com or the two addresses I mentioned earlier, Joe-Dombrowski.com and ProWrestlingLibrary.com. So, uh, yeah, there you go. And Vic can attest that uh, these DVDs are informative and entertaining, are they not? They are, absolutely. They're great wrestling viewing. They beat the hell out of a whole lot of stuff that's been on TV over the last <laughs> few years. I can tell you that without hesitation. Although one of the great bright Amen. spots of television in the last few years has been FTR, whether you watch them in WWE as a revival or in AEW, when they've been a little harder to find. And with that in mind, Dax, who's got himself a podcast these days, talked about the fact that he and Cash Wheeler are on sabbatical for 
an undetermined amount of time, which I thought was really interesting because he confirmed during the podcast that their contracts with AEW expired in April and then said this time off could actually extend right to the end of the contract, which I guess, even though he didn't say this, implies, at least in my mind, less that he's gotten some kind of assurance from Tony Khan that however long they're away will not be tacked on to the end of the contract. If they decide to sit at the house until it expires, then apparently they've gotten word from Tony that he will let them go free and clear. But now, even though we've spent probably the last couple of years talking about how much better it would be for FTR to get the hell out of Dodge, with Vince back in the building and what was going on with the revival in WWE, maybe they're looking at the AEW situation a little bit differently, and that could be part of the reason, at least. I'm sure they probably already had this in mind a few weeks ago, but uh, why this sabbatical for them, at least, is coming at a really good time. Uh, in terms of uh, Vince coming back, his co-host asked if that recent news would have an impact on where they end up going. And part of the reason I should backtrack and say that they're going on sabbatical was to really figure out what their next move is, because Dax pointed out that they're He's in his late 30s, and he anticipates that the next contract he signs as an active wrestler would be his last. So he wants to make sure he thinks things through and makes the right move. So in answering the question about Vince impacting their potential decision, he said, and I quote, I'd be lying to you if I said no, it doesn't at all. But of course it does. But if I feel like we aren't being respected the way I think we should, and that's going to come off arrogant, arrogant and egotistical, but I mean as entities as far as characters and what we've done and what we've accomplished and who we are, I will not hesitate to explore other options, whether that means taking a year off and doing other things we love, that could be, or whether those options are being presented to me in other forms, there's a lot of things I have to weigh. So it seems as though they're keeping the door open to doing something completely other than being on somebody's professional wrestling television show in the next year or so. But now, looking at the landscape as it is, and knowing that there are still two ball games in town, you've been to both, and in both situations you felt like you didn't accomplish or you weren't given the opportunity to accomplish everything you think you were capable of. When you're weighing these two situations, less if you're advising Dax, if Dax pops up on the front porch one of these days and asks what you think, what would you tell him? I tell him that to take what's going to make he and Cash happy, uh, and obviously the amount of money, the and the the I think the fine print is what comes into play so much here too, Vic, is days off, uh, you know, uh, how much creative control they have. And, and listen, let me say this about these guys. And I have never physically met either one. Dax and I have communicated on Twitter, uh, by, you know, private messaging a few times. And I'll tell you the truth after listening to his podcast, uh, you know, I sent him a message over there on Twitter saying, you know, uh, if you're down this down around K town, lunch is on me. And if I come, if I'm over at Maggie Valley while on your while you're on your sabbatical, I may give you a call. Would love to just sit down. These guys are crossover. They embody what we did as tag team wrestlers in the '60s and '70s, as well as they rep, well represent the, the current generation. I mean, these guys uh, transcend. Uh, the difference and realize they have held their value. They have won all these titles. They have gone out there with Dax by himself has gone out there and done singles jobs 
for guys who I would never have him put over and some that I, you know, that I have no problem with. But the point is they are taking care of business. They still get in there and bust their ass. And obviously the two matches they had with the Briscoe brothers, uh, stand alone for God's sakes. If nothing else does, uh, this is my tag team of the year last year and the year before and next year. And I haven't even seen them for, for the year 2023. They are the best of the best right now. They step in with the Usos and have one hell of a match. They can step in with anybody and have a hell of a match and they get the job done, whether they're looking at the lights or whether they're getting their hands raised. Uh, if I had a promotion and had money behind me and saw that their contracts were coming up in April, I would be standing on their doorstep to talk to them about what happened in the beginning of May because I would want them on, on my team and on my roster. They are that good. And just the way they talk in public. Well, the fact, you know, that uh, Dax had mentioned that they got along well with Punk and, and this created some rumble with the children in AEW, which is, is kind of grade school as it gets. He's been honest. He's been up, up front. Uh, and well, like, you know, he said, no, the fact that if they're not getting respect, they should move on. Hell yes. You know, and I don't, I don't find that egotistical. You've earned my respect and I've never met you guys. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind these guys, whatever they do, unless they just change and become insane for some reason, I can't figure it out. But yes, they're the best tag team I've seen in the last few years. Uh, consistently, and I'm not talking about they take crazier bumps than anybody, or they they do funnier things than anybody. They they show you professional wrestling, which and they show it to you in a style that is a crossover between old school and the current generation. So, yes, my hats off to them. And I'll tell you the truth: I, if I, we live a hundred miles apart. But if they need somebody to help out with, if they're opening a school, I'd be more than happy to go in and help. And I'm sure their curriculum will be damn good. Well, I'm glad you sure. brought that up because that's exactly where I was going next. Dax was talking about what options they have if they decide not to go back to AEW or WWE for that matter, at least in the short term. And he said that he and Cash were looking at locations for a possible wrestling school, among other uh, things like real estate and coffee shops and things of that nature. Uh, I would imagine it wouldn't take too long before the word would be out to run and not walk to a school run by FTR. I would think so. Well, you know what? Uh, it, you know, uh, to me, if if kids are looking for a school, uh, let's talk about that just for a few minutes. Sure. Uh, and we haven't in quite some time, and we may have some new viewers or new viewers. Yeah, last year they're watching you on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And thank God it's Friday. Uh, <laughs> some new listeners too. Uh, find a reputable trainer or a reputable uh, school to go to. Don't just sign up. This, they don't charge much. Well, then that that could be the major problem. They're not charging much. They're probably not worth much. I will guarantee. I will tell you if Rip Rogers is running a, a seminar or a school, you can you can learn there. Uh, Rudy Gonzalez. Uh, Frankie, uh, down in Florida, uh, Siazza, Frank Siazza down in Florida. Of course, Dr. Tom, 
uh, I'm willing to help. And yes, my track record is damn good as well. Uh, the Monster Factory, uh, Lance Storm, uh, Hawk Academy in New Orleans, um, you know, and if my friend uh, Jeff McAllis in Denver is training, still training wrestlers, I, I you know, him as well. Uh, yes, those, those guys, I, I would uh, say, go train with, and uh, they will give you a value received for your dollar, and they will teach you professional wrestling, not professional clowning. Or, or they, there, there are a lot of pseudo schools out there that I wouldn't walk across the street if they were free, to be honest with you. So check the background, the resume of whoever the trainer is, and, and if you get a chance, talk to some people who have been to that school and see what their feedback is. But just don't throw your money out there because he's cheaper, and you may get the result of that not being so so good for you. So anyway, yeah. But yes, if uh, the Revival or FTR or whatever you want to call them, Dax and Cash, open a school, I'd say you probably should attend because I think these guys are they're throwbacks too old school. They most definitely are. And I say that with complete admiration and uh, respect for what they've done. So it's a one-liner. I'm not sure there's really anything you should make out of it, but I do think it's worth mentioning with respect to CM Punk and MJF online the other day where MJF was getting his plaques from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Did Bill Aptor present the plaques? I miss those days. In any event, he, uh, he won Most Hated and Feud of the Year from uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated for his feud with Punk, which of course culminated in that dog collar match. But he, in the pictures he took for PWI, he taped over Punk's name on the feud plaque and put his own name there instead. And Punk hilariously, about an hour later, later commented on the photo and said, maybe you could find some tape for the ratings so nobody sees those either. <laughs> and uh, You think Punk's been paying attention? Well, exactly. <laughs> but if that's, you know, that begs the question, right? I mean, obviously, the last we heard, they were negotiating some kind of buyout, and maybe there's been a sticking point, and the idea that he's coming back seems to be very foreign to anybody you ask around the company. But just the fact that, you know, he was referenced by Dax and uh, they talk a little bit about that and how well his relationship was there with them and that he hopes they can work it all out. And then you have this where he had a little time on his hands apparently yesterday with his smartphone. You can't help but wonder, because it is wrestling at the end of the day, whether or not maybe there are some things in motion and there's a reason we haven't heard anything about those buyout talks in a while. Yeah, there might be. Who knows? I'll tell you what, uh, strange things happen in the wrestling. <laughs> Believe me, uh, I, if I if I could remember all over the last 62-plus years and write a book, it would be pretty damn interesting because there's something goofy, crazy, or something you would never expect happening in the wrestling business all the time. So, yeah, that's, that is a possibility, my friend. It is a possibility, so... But yeah, they, these guys are uh, are sharp. They are sharp, and, and and I enjoy watching them work. And obviously, they do it without it. You know, uh, they don't have egos, or if they do, they they leave them at home, and and that's good business, believe it or not. Yeah, it I, is. I, I, How about uh, Mandy Rose? Well, uh, making yeah, a, a public appearance on uh, Tamron Hall. Uh, Tam, Tam, yeah, yeah, Tamron Hall. Uh, I actually saw a bit of that when I was in the gym 
and uh, she, you know, the, the, what little I saw of it and everything, she had seemed to come across very professionally and, and uh, very good. Well, and then, hey, so if I were single, uh, I, I might <laughs> propose to her, as she, knowing she's making a million bucks was, a month. I was just going to say, she's a millionaire, apparently. Uh, yeah, her interview yes. with Tamron Hall was actually pretty interesting. Obviously, she gave the standard answer when asked whether or not she'd ever go back to WWE. She gave you the never say never. But I love, here's something that I, she did say that I love though, because you know we start thinking about some of those other issues that WWE had with Zelina Vega and some other folks who had their own uh, accounts on other websites where they were making money. Uh, Mandy Rose talked about learning how her name, image, and likeness is extremely valuable. And now she can self-monetize and have complete control over the brand and have a direct relationship with her fans. Learning that was a moment of empowerment for her. Make no mistake, the woman is a business. When you are a television entity of any kind, you are the brand to some extent, even though we talk about how WWE sure. is the brand and everybody's just on it. That's not true. If you can differentiate yourself, and she has, you are the brand. And the idea that she's out here now, regardless of how she's doing it, getting out here and making a million bucks in a month on your own, you know, controlling your narrative, your brand, having that one-on-one -on -one relationship with the people, I mean, more power to you, especially when sure. WWE would have you believe you can't make it anyplace else but here. Well, you know, when you think about, uh, I guess Cena's making more a year doing what he's doing than he ever made with WWE. I'm and that's not to say he, he didn't make any big money with oh, WWE, but sure. yeah. And it rock what is 60 mil a year, uh, 20 million a movie. If he makes a couple in a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's not too bad. Is it? <laughs> I give me that spot. <laughs> exactly. No bumps there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, you know, we were talking about that a few weeks ago too, that, uh, you know, years ago, uh, the promoter obviously had the upper hand. You were making decent money, but, you know, it wasn't like you were ready to uh, retire and give it all up. But these kids today have that. If, if they're taking care of their money, investing it, saving it, and, and not getting crazy with it, they have, well, like, you know, Mandy Rose walking off. Uh, I've mentioned, you know, uh, Christian and Edge, and, and they've both come back, but I think more out of boredom than the fact that they needed the money, especially with Edge, because he he was doing that TV series. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Channel. He, yeah, he spent four or five years on that show. I think he came yeah. back more or less because, you know, it's the, it's the very, it's the thing that happens to all athletes, right? Very rarely do you get it, to leave yeah. on your own terms. And... Wrestling's kind of like Hotel California. You can check out, but you, you never, never leave. leave. And I think it stuck in his craw all those years that he basically was forced out medically. And as soon as he saw a window of opportunity where he could write his own exit, then he, feel, he felt like he really had to come back. You know, uh, we're talking about people's interviews that, that uh, I, I just want to touch on a couple of things that uh, Tully Blanchard uh, did a, 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 an interview. And of course, uh, the, one of the things he, he mentioned that he is uh, no longer under contract uh, to Tony Khan or to AEW. And when asked, uh, you know, uh, he said he enjoyed his time there, and he was asked uh, about whether anyone asked him to uh, for advice backstage. He said not at all. Hmm. He, chalked, he chalked that up to the current roster, not being born when Blanchard and Arn Anderson we're in their heyday, boys and girls. 
if you are a independent wrestler or working for one of these companies and you have a chance to pick the brain of Arn Anderson or Tully Blanchard or Ricky Steamboat or any of the guys from do yourself a favor, pick their brain, ask, because believe me, they know more than you do and they know how to do it better than you know how to do it. And that ain't bragging if you can back it up and these guys can. And I, I saw that and I thought, are you people just insane? And I thought too, Tully saying that he was offered the last match with steamer, uh, but declined. He said, didn't want, uh, I'm not going to embarrass myself and go out there and not be able to do what I used to do. God love you, Tully. <laughs> I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I, you know, and Steamer came closer to being, you know, the guy that he was years ago than than anybody I've seen in, in recent years. Yeah, and he was uh, still flat out good. Yeah, and Tully didn't want to uh, comment on Flair's final match, and I don't blame him. Yeah, it was sad and brought tears to my eyes, and and Tully probably felt the same way. But I, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, and that I, I you know what. I don't know what's going to be the future for Tessa, but damned if that child is not one of the, the best damn female workers in the business. But I guess she's created an attitude for some of these big companies that uh, didn't work out well. So whatever. She unfortunately has become her own worst enemy in the business with a lot of that stuff, which does isn't yeah. worth repeating at this particular point in time. But it's, uh, you know... <laughs> At the same time, this is a very different business. But you know, I think about all the issues prior to the to the stuff that right, rightfully got her run off from the last thing, where she had a run in with uh, Rosa Negra in the locker room and allegedly said some things that uh, should get you canceled. But just be, even before that, there were some things there with respect to attitude and what have you. And you know, it was a different time back then. But uh, you know, my first thought, and this is, I guess, a fact of uh, uh, you know being a product of being a fan at the time, a Blanchard with an attitude problem. Really, you got an issue with this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you sign her anyway? Who cares? Uh, obviously, things changed after that. But the the initial idea that she was being kept out because she had a uh, she was a head case. I mean, get out of here. She's got the DNA yeah. of Kelly Blanchard. What'd you expect? Yes. Well, you know, that, you, you just made me remember a few years ago, we were doing the, the four day training camps at the, uh, Charlotte fan fest and, uh, Tully came in, uh, and to talk to the guys. And one of the kids said, uh, you know, you were so convincing, uh, portraying a prick. <laughs> it wasn't I that. Said, Who the hell said he was portraying what it Tully laughed. He said, what Les said, <laughs> right. But, but yeah, Tully had a, a attitude, but you know what? He could back it up. Mm -hmm. That's that's the difference. If you if you come to, you come to me with an attitude and got nothing to show for it, and haven't done anything to, to create that attitude, then get away. Well, like I said, she's unfortunately turned out to be her own worst enemy with this. So who knows uh, yep. what's going to happen from from that point from this point forward? Because it's been a while since she's been involved in anything. And so, uh, you know, maybe wrestling is not really in the cards for her at this point. Uh, um, yeah, she's well, and he's hoping she finishes college. And that's another thing to say, too. Sure. It's not that she doesn't have a work ethic. That's for sure. No, it is not. Speaking of work ethic, though, there were some uh, pretty interesting contests this week on uh, Dynamite as we head into the home stretch of Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. Certainly had a hard-hitting affair at the start of the show between Adam Page and John Moxley. 
match a lot of folks were looking yep. forward to in Danielson and Takashita. And then you also had a uh, car crash, which is exactly what you expected. It's not like they didn't give you what you thought you were going to get in the main event with the trios uh, title match. Of course, you also uh, got exactly what you expected in terms of who won the match, but that's neither here nor there. Gosh, you mean you weren't shocked that, that the, the executive vice presidents ended up winning the seven? I, I, Best of seven. I can't say it was unexpected. I can't either, for Christ's sake. I, I had hoped for something else, but no, we didn't get something else. And that's, again, a comparison with uh, uh, FTR and these guys too, right? FTR doesn't have a problem going out and getting done to take care of business and looking at the lights. God forbid we ask these guys to do that. <laughs> by, by the way, I do have uh, Dave, Hash, I should say, and I'll share with you if you're interested of the quarter hours here in the most recent issue of The Observer, which is on the front page at F4WOnline.com. And as you might imagine, Vince, Stephanie, and everything else uh, associated with that is the lead story, and rightly so. But if you scroll down, uh, if you have the subscription that allows you to see The Observer on the website, you can scroll down and see this week's ratings. Uh, the usual pattern was a little different this week, Les, and I think that's worth noting with some of the matches that they had done a pretty good job uh, getting together in terms of Moxley and Page. And while on short notice, Danielson and Takashita for a wrestling fan was a match that you looked forward to. And of course, you had to pay off with the seventh match of the Best of Seven series. So you had the standard million plus at the Open to watch Moxley and Page, and no quarter had a million viewers after that, but they stayed in the nines for the most part. And the uh, the lowest segment of the night, uh, this won't shock either of us, but was uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society promos with uh, Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. But that still did close to 900. And even though you had a million at the start and 907 at the finish for the ladder match, let's be honest and say they followed the lowest rated segment of the night, 893, brought in 907, and the last time... The uh, closing segment didn't scare off 200,000 people or more. It's been a while. So to say that they did 907 coming off one that was under nine, you know, I, I cannot complain about the performance of uh, that match from a rating standpoint, given what you have been getting in that last segment. And the, the women's tag was a low, uh, low number? It was actually not bad at all, 976. Wow, good. I, you know, I, and I mentioned you before we start recording. Uh, the one to take away for me from that particular match is the uh, excitement for Soraya returning to wrestling and this being her big match back uh, didn't excite a lot of people. I mean, uh, when she was in the ring and doing her thing, I, I called my I called the, uh, the attention of my friend Jim was watching with me. I said, uh, Soraya's not setting this building on fire. You know, and, and she wasn't, and and that's no, you know, no knock on her necessarily, but again, it you know, you expected the the build to all that, and it just it it didn't uh, set a fire under the the butts of the people in the seats there. I have a thought and, or two uh, about that, if you don't mind. Go right ahead. One is uh, people love Jamie Hader, and with good reason. She's terrific. Uh, and it's been kind of weird in that, obviously, Baker and Hayter are supposed to be the heels, but Jamie Hayter has really gotten over on the strength of what she's been able to do in the ring, and, and that women's championship has been earned, and people seem to like her because she's actually good at her job, imagine that. 
And maybe the other thing is not that they dislike Soraya or anything. I'm sure, actually, to be honest, in a weird way, I wonder if some of the quiet was actually respectful of Soraya in that they didn't want to boo uh, Soraya and Storm, even though they came across as heels on TV last week when they uh, X Takaru Shida out of the picture. But the other part of the quiet is maybe as Tony perhaps feared last week, he got out in front of the whole Mercedes Monet thing by making sure Tony Storm was announced as the partner ahead of time. But maybe they took too much air out of the balloon by getting out in front of it. And people just sort of sat on their hands because they believed that they were not going to see Mercedes Monet. And they didn't. But maybe the thought or the knowledge that you wouldn't be seeing her took something out of it for the people. Yeah, that's a possibility. You're yeah. absolutely right. Now, now, he got what he wanted in that not having her there didn't cause them to turn on the match. But they were maybe a little less interested because they knew they weren't going to see her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very possible. Now, two, two matches that they're hyping for this next uh, Wednesday. Um, I'm saying, okay, if you say so. Ricky Starks against Jake Hager. Uh, I, I see a chance to build Starks, but I don't see it with with Jake. Is is uh, comes across as, as Jericho's flunky. Yeah, and wears a goofy hat. So I. I don't know a win, lose, or draw that starts, and and there's the you know, and obviously if the entourage of all the Jericho Appreciation Society is at ringside, then Starks will get manhandled by four thousand people, and so yeah, you know, and that's the other thing too. You know what to expect when you see some of these factions come out, and I don't know uh, Bandito. Uh, I didn't. In his one appearance on AEW, I don't think got over like a million bucks. Um, you know, and I know he's been signed. Okay, but again, I think he was a a mainstay with Ring of Honor, and but yet uh, that great company to you know to end up selling not not because of him, but because of the overall situation with the company. So I don't, and I don't know. He just hasn't. Had a bill that I think he needs to be with Brian Danielson. Well, I and agree I know with a lot you of on people. that. But, you know, for, from Brian Danielson's perspective, he could be looking at this as this is the thing that Bandito could use to get started. And, you know, well, at, that's, the, yeah. at, at this point, you know, Danielson is probably picking these guys out for kicks. He got a chance to wrestle the Japanese style with Takashita. He's going to have a chance to do a little lucha with Bandito. You know, he's probably just picking out guys who he thinks are good that could use a little shine and that he thinks would be fun to wrestle at this point in his life. Remember when... By God, maybe you think Dragon's just having a ball. Maybe. I, I think he is. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason he's been driving us nuts, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, that's that may be too. I, I would love to see him wrestle since he is the best technical wrestler uh, in the business right now. Uh, we can trade the 4,000 I'll punch you's and the 4,000 you punch me's. And, and all that for some good solid takedown switches and go behinds and and that sort of thing which I, he is so talented at that would be my only pick and if you're if you've been watching I'm not just throwing that out there that's what's happening am I correct you are correct sir I cannot argue with that I know <laughs> you can <laughs> but why bother <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm, you're watching the same show I'm watching and you're seeing what I'm seeing. I and, am. uh, and when I say that I, I like Brian Danielson, I'm a fan of Brian Danielson, but I just want to see some more of the wrestling that created my fandom with him. So there you have it. Well, last issue here before we call it a day, speaking of guys, 
who we are fans of as wrestlers and we like to see them do what they do best. It's uh, unfortunate to hear that Kyle O'Reilly is apparently dealing with some issues post uh, neck fusion surgery. I'm talking about he's having some issues here that he did not completely disclose and said he would talk about a little bit more on a later date. But it sounds like things are not going as well as he'd hoped. And I'm very sorry to hear that. Me too, because uh, uh, Kyle is a, is a good guy. I first met him, he would show up in Dayton at the Ring of Honor show that Davey Richards and, and uh, Tony, uh, yeah. You think of uh, Tony Cozina, right? Cozina, yeah. I started to say Khan, and I thought, <laughs> no, that's not the Tony. <laughs> and and, and uh, Tony Cozina is a friend. I mean, he's a good guy I, and a hell of a wrestler, quite frankly. But yeah, that's where I first met Kyle. He was. Uh, learning from those guys and he would come to the show, like the show in Dayton, the ring of honor shows in Dayton. But yeah. And Kyle's a hell of a town. He Kyle O'Reilly to me is one of the guys who can use MMA tactics. And I believe them. And, uh, you know, I, so yeah, I, I'm hoping he's, he's healthy and can come back as a hundred percent because he's, he's worth the time. Believe me. I, I, I love that guy. So we look forward to hearing a little more detail from him, hopefully in the next few days, if not a week or two, on exactly what it is uh, that appears to be an issue for him post-surgery and maybe get a clearer picture on a return timetable. You never know. Um, yeah. Oh, and we, what we didn't mention is Adam Cole, baby. Well, that's it's true. You know, back. we probably can't do that without Adam Cole coming back. That was a hell of a promo. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And uh, didn't know where he was going. But when he got there, yeah, came across really good, I thought. Yeah, it was interesting. I'm a, as you know, I'm a Cole fan, yes. too. So. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Tony, playing off of what we were seeing from him and Cole last time around, was very unhappy to reintroduce Adam. But then Cole cuts a promo where it's like, you know, aw shucks, I'm out here to try as hard as I can. I learned a whole lot about how easily this can be taken away from you while I've been down, and, and I'm here to be the yeah. best that I can be. And I thought it was a perfect slap of the reset button uh, without any of the people he was running with in sight. Yeah, 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 I, I, I agree. Uh, and, yeah, the, the, the promo was solid, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the saddle again. It's so, also yeah. uh, obviously very unfortunate for the reason he was gone for so long, but I think it is another example of absence making the heart grow fonder and really being able to take a run that was underwhelming for a lot of reasons having to do with booking while he was here you get that extended leave of absence and he comes back and he's basically a brand new guy and all of a sudden you're ready to run with him again yeah 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 because at when when o'reilly and cole and and all those guys were in this uh you know working and uh i thought damn what a crew uh you know and of course injuries and the style there yeah so it's it's everybody's playing can you top this and at some point uh, you're going to top it right into the surgeon and so quit it <laughs> don't worry about everybody else have the best match you can have tell the best story you can tell and move on now, speaking of moving on actually now would be the time to tell everybody since we did a little bit talking about wrestling schools and quality trainers and such you of course have been a quality trainer for a long time and continue to be so let everybody know where they can get a hold of you for seminars I appreciate you saying so. Yes, if if you would uh, be interested in booking me for a one-day seminar or a weekend training camp, you can reach me, lesthatcher28 at gmail.com. 
I'll be more than happy to send you out the information and uh, what, what I charge, et cetera, et cetera. But I will guarantee you it is hands-on, and especially if we do a weekend, I promise I will send uh, whoever attends home with some uh, new weapons that uh, should help improve their game in the ring and help the promoters draw better. So, yeah, it's all good, I hope. All right, my friend. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. The rest of the weekend is going to be spent watching playoff football. Yes, sir. Go Bengals. <laughs> hey, let me ask you one football question before we go. Uh, since sure. the Bengals didn't have a chance to play that extra game, obviously they and the Bills were understandably uh, canceled after what happened with DeMar Hamlin. They not, right. not, chose not to make up that game. Uh, I, they'll be going to Buffalo or Kansas City, uh, presuming either one of them are Cincinnati's opponents in the AFC Championship game. But what's your thought on the whole neutral site thing if it's Buffalo and Kansas City? Wow. You know what? I, I, I guess there's, uh, there, it makes sense because of the change. Uh, and, and of course they couldn't make the, the, the I think the reason they, they canceled, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Buffalo, uh, Bengals game, uh, obviously because of Hamlet, but, uh, why they did decide not to replay it because they were just a week away from starting the playoffs anyway. Yes. Right. So yeah. where were you going to make uh, it? it up? Which, yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, with Hamlin, not knowing what the you know situation with Hamlin was, I, I you know it was probably the, the right thing to do. But a neutral site should uh, you know work work exactly what it is supposed to do. It takes out that home field advantage, so it should be a decent game. I believe they've decided to play that neutral site game if it's necessary in Atlanta, same place where uh, Georgia beat Ohio State a couple of weeks ago to punch their ticket to the national championship game. I had to and, figure out and, how to reference and, that. And if there had not had been, if they, guys, when you target somebody, why don't we target Marvin Harrison Jr., oh. who, who has a radar directly to the Ohio State quarterback? I I, guarantee, I, I will sit here. I, I don't promise anything. I don't watch that game in its entirety. And you realize Georgia's head coach said Ohio State should have beat us. And if his boy had not targeted Harrison Jr., I think we'd have won by a touchdown. Hmm. I truthfully do. Well, yep. we'll never know, will we? No, we won't, <laughs> will we? But well, I've got sour feelings about it, Mike. <laughs> I, I only mentioned Atlanta and the opportunity to take another cheap shot at you because I uh, <laughs> honestly, I, someone said this idea on a sports talk show this week, and I thought, man, that would be awesome. They were hoping for an outdoor cold weather site since both teams play their regular season home games outdoors. And if you really right. want a neutral site, you should go to an NFC city, which they did in Atlanta. But the guy suggested Lambeau Field, and I thought, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy, that's for sure. Yeah. What do you think? And and we're not going to go there. We're out of time, I know. But Rodgers may be moving from Lambeau Field, too. And he's got 60 million reasons to stay. Until I see him at the press conference, <laughs> I'm assuming he's yeah, coming right. back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 60 million. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd hang on what I got. Now, with a straight face, he did look at a reporter who asked him, could you really walk away from $60 million? And without batting an eye, he said yes. And, you know, there's good fortune of having all the money he's made over the years, but $60 million yes. is still $60 million. So I'll believe it when I see it. Me too. Me too. 
So All right. with a little profootballtalk.com here at the end, we're going to wrap up this edition of Wrestling Weekly. For the legend Les Thatcher, my name is Victor Sosa. Thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to spend some of it here with us. If you are going to be watching the National Football League playoffs this weekend, enjoy yourself, and we will talk to you again next week.